This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> okay, we're uh, drinking with authors, literary briefs, episodes. I should know this. People ask me how come I don't have a script, like with all this stuff, and I'm like, because I would not even fucking remember to do that. So it's good. and it would defeat the purpose of the show. The whole point yes, of the show is that it does not have a script. Defeat script. the purpose of the show. Okay, so I'm your host, Erica Lance. This is literary briefs with me today is Mark Muncy from Erie, Florida. Ooh. And yep. our guest today is J.R.H. Lawless. Hey, call me Jay. It's easier to say. I know, but I'm supposed to announce your whole name because you're the guest, and then I'll call you. No, I'm sorry. Okay. If I just went, and with us today is Jay. Jay. <laughs> I'm Jay. There you go. It, it would be efficient. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Everybody Point would take be it. like, you're an author? What? Okay. Yep. So, literary briefs, as you know how this goes, rapid fire questions. What is your favorite book of all time? Um, Last Chance to See by Douglas Adams. Fantastic. You brought that up previously. I feel like that's cheating, but it is a hundred percent cheating. But again, you know, look at the pen name. Okay. Yes, that's true. Lois, got it. Got it. <laughs> okay. So, what is your least favorite book of all time? Uh, I won't say the first one that came to mind. Um, <laughs> if if mine, don't say it. It's it's also the best selling book of all time. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see why I want to say that one. Um, no. Anyway, uh, do, I, do I need to come up with another one? Um, uh, phone books back when we had them. <laughs> so you're telling me there wasn't a. Okay. That's books, they're all books. Do you finish them regardless if you like them or not? I wish I could say I did, but no, that would be lying. Um, I do DNF some books, and that's why if people do, you know, end up DNFing my books, that's totally fine as well. I completely understand. Um, not everything's for everybody, um, and something somebody will absolutely love for those exact same reasons. Somebody might absolutely hate it, and that's totally cool. And I was talking about, uh, I'm bringing back my own work, but about those etymology footnotes that I do, which I absolutely love. I totally understand that some people would hate them. That, you know, they say, what the hell is this? Uh, books aren't supposed to have this, and it's pulling me out. I do try constantly to only choose the really funny ones, so to minimize and to make it worth that impact that it does necessarily have of, you know, potentially breaking up the flow, unless somebody you know, probably wants to just finish at least the paragraph and then go read the, the thing, which is what I'd recommend. But anyway, um, you know, I totally, totally understand that. That's, you know, that that's part of i suppose what i signed on for when i decide to do something that breaks the mold right so no it's true what is your what throws you out of the story what is your like biggest pet peeve story wise um or... i hate it when people mess up point of view um and when they uh sign on for a certain i think books i don't really think this but in a way books should probably be upfront about what point of view and uh, whether they're adopting omniscient or not omniscient very early on, because I, there are there have been books, including very good quality and successful books, which um, seem to be signaling a non-omniscient point of view early on, and then just lapse into omniscience 
and, and that really pissed me off as a writer. But anyway, that's, that's probably just because when you know how the sausage is made. But yeah. Structure, structure is so important. Yes, agreed, agreed. No. Uh, all right, my question, my question is then, um, so you, you, your sci-fi comedies, you love them, you right. love them, you love them. What's your favorite sci-fi comedy television show? Uh, we're you're just talking about things that we've already talked about. Sorry. Oh, Lower sorry. Decks is so Lower good. Decks? Lower Decks was so amazing. I absolutely loved what they did with it. We also talked about Galaxy Quest, obviously, but recently, a couple of months ago, I was at Galaxy Quest. Now, Lower Decks, they did such an amazing, amazing job of taking Trek and taking what made Trek good and then just really making it infinitely better by embracing comedy and embracing the fact that not everybody is, you know, is a uh, Picard or Riker, uh, you can tell my favorite uh, TNG. Anyway, um, you know, not everybody is, uh, you know, double punching people. It's, um, you know, it's people have lives and there's, there's a whole reality behind the scenes and reality is hilarious. Did you, did you guys like the um, Seth MacFarlane uh, the the Orville? I, I enjoyed the yeah, Orville. I, 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 yeah, it was good. It was basically, in a way, trying to do what Lower Decks did much better. Much better. Uh, but it was a start, and it was really good as a start. It was very, very enjoyable. Again, in terms of writing, there were so many inconsistencies, but it doesn't matter, again, because it it's Trek. It was yeah, a love letter to Trek, and it was, and then Lord X just said, "Oh, we're going to do this yeah, better." That's it, so, exactly. And, and they just knocked it out of the park. Oh, I, I love that both of them have kind of skirted some red dwarf issues. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, I've got everything here, red dwarf. There we go. A start, and you guys might know what this is, and because I cannot find the name of it to save my life, but it was a book about. Uh, people who went to a Star Trek convention and then there was a zombie apocalypse and they're oh stuck God. in the hotel with all these people that, dressed. That wasn't Scalzi, but I think Scalzi mm. was the blurb guy for it. And I think it was just Seems called likely. Red Shirts or something. Well, red, like no, Red Shirts is Scalzi. No, Red Shirts is Scalzi, but it's, yes. it, that's why I'm getting confused. No, yeah. um, I think it was because he wrote Red Shirts that he also yes. wrote the blurb on this. And I think it was, God, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can't remember it either. It was so fucking funny, though. I remember it was a great book. Yep, and yep. Now I'm going to be mad. Definitely though. rings a bell, and I think I read it, but I could not give you the offer. Uh, okay. Mark's going to Google it and make us all look bad, so it's fine. Oh, it's good. No, yeah. No, no Google so, Embraced. Um, next, so you're obviously a Star Trek, you're a sci-fi fan, right? Mm. Um, having lived over in um, England and stuff, and a lot of the people you've mentioned are British authors, right? Yeah. How much yep. of that humor goes in? Because that's a slightly different humor. Like I actually <laughs> had the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV shows. Mm -hmm. Yep. And all of that. And it, I was talking to Paul Cornell about um, uh, the Doctor Who because he wrote Doctor Who episodes. And it turns out yes. um, Douglas Adams actually wrote under some other pseudonym oh, yeah. some of the Doctor Who. I'm not it, a Doctor. Even some Who. of his books. Some of his books recently. Shadow is a book. Uh, which is based in it was obviously a Doctor Who novel, which was a script that Douglas Adams wrote, which was never produced. Actually, uh, I, I, yeah. the guy who did that actually made it sound very Adamsy. The way oh yeah, he did a fantastic job. Like, Absolutely. Boss, oh yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's no, there's no doubt there. There's huge, uh, you know, huge intermingling. <laughs> it's it's a very small world, uh, and a very unique, as you're saying, you know, very unique kind of voice and and uh, outlook on things. 
um, how much of it is in my books, as much as I can get, hopefully 100%. But, um, you know, anything that isn't there is my fault. But I think I'm pretty damn close. I mean, you know, I've, you know, almost all my friends are English and, you know, they all absolutely loved it and, you know, pretty much take it on as, as is. So in terms of sensitivity reading, um, you know, <laughs> I've done a, I've done an overly large amount of it. <laughs> well, and you brought up on the last podcast gaming. So I played EverQuest in beta, mm-hmm. and then played EverQuest and then sold a lot of characters, which nobody can fault me for. <laughs> And then yes. you've gone to WoW. But um, what, how do you feel about a lot of the MMO uh, Star Wars games and stuff like yeah. that that have come out? Because some of them have been good to me yeah. and some of them are complete fucking garbage. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Um, so much to say. Uh, specifically Star Wars. Uh, my wife and I game together. And so we, we played uh, The Old Republic uh, I don't know how you say Sutor. I've never actually spoken that word out loud. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's the Old Republic. It's all good. It's yes, that's it. So uh, we played a fair amount of it. We really enjoyed it. But then halfway through the campaign, and I love Bioware games, you know, we were like, eh. Yep. You know, is what, what you know, meh. Yep. <laughs> is, you know, so you know, we're on another planet, and there was random crap going on. And you know, it's just like, no, no. Uh, one MMO that we absolutely loved, which is actually if you want to base it off anything, is, is uh, Cthulhu Mythos, is uh, The Secret World. Secret World. Yeah, we played years and years of Secret World, uh, back originally, and then not so much after it relaunched. Uh, but um, the, the writing and the world building in that game are above anything. Yeah. So good. So incredibly good. Really amazing writers that they had doing that. And then also they did amazingly innovative things um, in terms of uh, exploiting the medium and thinking out of the box. So you have quests in this game where you will literally, you know, you're in the game and this is black van and there's people dead next to it, sorry, from this company, and they have badges and you use the badges to go to the real life website that they've set up to hack into their databases to get the information you need to progress the quest. It's amazing. There's other quests where you have this um, Dr. Frankenstein thing going on and you end up calling a real life phone number in the UK to get these tones that you then match with, you know, to, with the thing in game to be, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. There was a game years before that called majestic where mm-hmm. that was the thing was that you were basically yep. broke reality and all yeah. that was the predecessor to ARGs and stuff. And it just, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's 100% the I mean, art principle. Secret World had a couple yeah. of the original developers, which was yep. why they did that. And it was, it was yeah. brilliant. It's that. the best. It's so good. And it's so underexploited. Yep. You know, really, if, if you had like somebody, a company that really had the financial backing to take that and to oh. really push it to the level it deserves, it would blow everything out of the water. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So dystopias, you're, you're right yes. about dystopias. Uh, what would be, your how do i put this what is your ideal dystopia what do you think would would work out the best for us ideal dystopia um (laughs) i don't personally i can't write anything other than what i fear is the route we're going down and this is something that i legitimately think is what we're heading towards which is uh, complete abdication, which is already been the case for about 30 years, of um, uh, nation states. 
towards uh, real decision making being at a uh, at a global uh, multinational corporate level, and then um, because it's easier. And so then uh, at that point, the current system that we have and all these political phenomena around the world, it's not just in the US, that we're seeing are 100% symptoms of that, um, of a complete break between um, individuals, citizens, and any belief in organization, any capacity of current organizations to actually do anything uh, for their interests or, or just anything in general. So uh, independently of, again, any specific uh, politician or party or anything, um, clearly we're heading towards that crisis. And currently the only alternative to uh, traditional nation states is uh, falling back on authoritarianism and fascism. That's the only alternative that exists currently. And that could be left wing, could be right wing, doesn't matter. It's currently the only alternative is falling back on extremes and on authoritarianism under one form or another. And so I think that's, unfortunately, it's perhaps maybe the best because at least it's the most realistic. And it's the only one that I think we can get out of. And that's what my books try to do beyond the stupid jokes, beyond the puns, beyond the uh, ridiculous etymology things, beyond, you know, uh, contestants who are the last human porn star in Hollywood and get Rogered by aerobots regularly, ended up getting tetanus. It's you know, um, it's beyond all that. It's about um, uh, personal responsibility and what we can do individually to help bring about an alternative to that, which in my mind has to be direct democracy, which is rising above uh, the current paradigm. And so it's it's very you know futuristic in terms of futurism as a as an ideology, I guess point of view, but um, I think that's the only way out and the only possible alternative that could work to either when, it's, when things are inevitably going to break even worse than they already have, and I'm sorry to say that is, I think, inevitable, um, falling back into authoritarianism. So anyway, and, and technologically, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, then we're in rapid fire sessions, so maybe yeah, we that's are, and I'm another thing that this. is well and truly broken, but... What's your favorite robot? Uh, Marvin. Marvin. Can't go wrong with Marvin. <laughs> okay. There we go. He's completely derailed me. Got so serious here. I know. I was going to say, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But that, no, that is... So we know what kind of drunk he is. So now we know. No, but it's also <laughs> what kind of writer I am. And we ah. together sometimes. And, you know, I, that's, I, I love... I hope that through the humor and through, you know, just traditional structured plots and entertaining stories... I can also slide in some thoughts, you know, and hopefully, you know, I'm not saying, you know, bam, bang on the pulpit, this is what we have to do, but at least provoke some thoughts so maybe people can find their own solutions as well, you know, too. Anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's what, a big part of why, right, is that I want to entertain, but also maybe, you know, slide in some thought bombs as well. So as a writer, what are your um, quirks? What are the things uh, the editors are like, dude, Jay, you have got to stop doing X? Uh, hyphens, uh, massively. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many hyphens. Um, 
those 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 footnotes um it's funny it started out being you know this is too many you have to prune them down in the first book and then the second book was you have to add in more so <laughs> it was uh you know that, that's that's it's definitely a quirk but not necessarily you know but that's only because again i was lucky enough to find a small press editor who embraced trying to do something different uh, which I probably wouldn't have been able to do at a big five publisher, I think very clearly. In fact, I'm printed by more of a big five-ish audiobook publisher and my footnotes are gone in the audiobook. They do not exist. So anyway, even though I have an amazing narrator and I love what he's done, um, again, a very classically trained British narrator. But yeah. Yeah, th I think that's interesting. There's not only the big four because I think Penguin got absorbed. Mm. So yeah, true. now true. it's the big four. Not to change our, yeah. Yeah, although they're slowly slowly dying, rotting on the vine. Um, well, let's talk about fans for a little bit. You've just published, but you published short stories before this, correct? Yep, definitely. What has the fan outreach been like so far? Uh, short stories, in my experience, I mean, again, I was, I started writing short stories while, you know, the years I was sort of waiting for something to happen with the novels I'd written and I just wanted to stay busy and also not, you know, do that thing instinctively, not put all my hopes into a single project, single basket. And, you know, everybody says, you know, it's great to have that, uh, those short story publication credits. And it's very true because it's through short stories that I was able to enter CIFWA, through short stories I was able to enter Codex and different other, you know, organizations that really helped level up my, my game um, and, and made a bunch of amazing, you know, friends and contacts, right? So, but um, uh, yeah, Fan-wise, short stories, I don't know, for me at least, it wasn't something that, you know, I mean, yes, I'd have people say, oh, I really enjoyed the story. Yeah, great. But, you know, it's not exactly, you know, uh, definitely more so with the novels. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely more outreach, but also because I suppose with the novels, it's also, and with the pandemic, even though, you know, I lost out on huge Barnes and Noble order, which we had for brick and mortar, and, you know, which because of the pandemic is still sitting hundreds of books in a warehouse in Nashville. Um, but at the same time, I was able to, you know, to be a panelist at the Nebula conference, to be a panelist at World Cup, at World Fantasy Convention, at lots of other really cool, uh, smaller uh, Flights of Foundry, sorry, is another great one that I did, which is fantastic, um, that, uh, you know, I was able, I suppose, to, to build a bit of, you know, a bit of, uh, a bit of a fan base, if that's something that I can allow myself to think of. <laughs> I say that all the time. I think I'm a gigantic deal, and there are just fans waiting to adore me as soon as COVID is over. I believe that is the case, whether it's a, it's the case anyway. Okay. But <laughs> I need my adoring fans, Mark. Yep, I'm there. <laughs> There's no much fans. Fans is you know again etymology. Fan is a fanatic, um, which again has really interesting etymology to it. So what's about it's about readers. So many of our readers are also fellow writers, and you know, and that it's it's an exchange, uh, and that's what's cool when you're sort of maybe doing things that are a bit unique, uh, like with my footnotes, like with you know etymology and so on, that you know you're you're helping advance, and for me especially with the direct democracy, you're helping advance the debate, in a way. You know, you're you're helping. Uh, to the expression in French, uh, uh, which is some nonsense where it just literally means, you know, um, uh, you know, helping, helping move things forward, uh, basically. People are going to learn French listening to these episodes. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's not something that's <laughs> happened on Drinking With Authors before. If people do. Learn 
revenge. That's you know, again, it's leading the debate. It's about breaking new ground. That's just what it's all about. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you... Um... <laughs> and, and what does that mean? That's QED. You know, we say QED, uh, which means that was what, literally in Latin, it means that was what needed to be proved. Uh, the actual Latin is quaderat demonstrandum. Oh, the actual Latin. Now we're learning Latin, too. That's... <laughs> This is a very yeah, educational show. I thought that was Latin show. for a second. I didn't quite hear it all. No, You'll learn right. a bunch of Latin if you read my damn books and you look yeah. at the footnotes because at least half of them are based off of the Latin, which yeah. is hilarious, based between the Latin and then what the word that we use today ended up being based okay. on you know, completely different original meanings or, again, full of sexual innuendo or all sorts. What's your favorite? And the Greek as well. There's so much. Uh, favorite etymology jokes? Um Oof, there's a bunch. Uh, in terms of innuendo, there's one, um, psychophant. This is Greek, it's not Latin, but psychophant, uh, which is a word that was used recently in political debate in the States and just sort of everybody, what the hell is, is a psychophant? So they looked it all up. It's like one of those most searched words, you know, on, on Google and um, most searched terms. And so psychophant goes back to ancient Greek. It means somebody who's like a toady or constantly sort of supporting somebody, like a, like a yes man, psychophant. But uh, originally, uh, psychophant refers to figs in, in Greek. Uh, and what it was literally means fig rubber, somebody who rubs figs. And itself, that refers to the, the idea that Greek people had that figs looks like, looked like the female sexual organs and that you could uh, do a finger gesture sort of like this, kind of like what we do for money today. And um, that was, it looked like, uh, like a fig, but also like female sexual organs um, that would be used to mock people during political debates. Okay, so it's just, it's just, there's so much stuff like that, but probably my favorite one is the one that I open uh, the, the first book with, which is the fact that the words entertainment and religion uh, mean the exact same thing from an etymological point of view, because uh, entertainment, so enter means inter, means in between, obviously, uh, sort of a reciprocal mutual thing. Uh, tain is like tenir in French or tener in Spanish, which is to hold. Uh, literally, so it's the entertainment is that which holds together from an etymological point of view. It's what the word means. Religion, it's exactly the same thing. The re again is that reciprocal, just like inter. And ligio is like ligaments in your leg. Um, it means it's, a, it's a, bi uh, a bind. Again, it's something that ties together. So entertainment and religion, from an etymological point of view, are exactly the same thing. Uh, and that's kind of the starting point of my book. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Los Angeles makes sense. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about you. You say you um you've been working on these virtual conventions, but you've never probably had a booth yet, right? Like or been physical? No, uh, once before the pandemic in local chapters in Canada, which is the Canadian Barnes and Noble ish. Uh, literally, I think just two weeks before everything shut down everywhere, my book had just come out and I did one signing event at uh, a bookstore. And That's my entire that physical cool. experience. It was pretty cool. Uh, we exceeded expectations. Uh, I had probably, I think that's more linked to the fact that I had beyond having an amazing crew because my wife and our children were there and then, yeah, that was, that was awesome. But also I had a big basket full of lint chocolate balls. 
which I was, you know, was you abusing to to bring people in. So you gotta yeah, do. <laughs> you got to do it. You t- totally. I think a lot of authors. I've been at conventions, and and Mark, same thing is that I see authors that sit there, and they rely a thousand percent on their book cover, or whatever marketing they have on their table, to suck people in. And yeah. I started this thing when I was at um, MegaCon, and I people would walk past, and I'd go, "Do you like to read?" Like literally they yep. just get, because they do this thing of walking down the middle of the aisle. So they're mm-hmm. not close enough to a booth. Oh, but it's, it's the most human thing in the world. Eh? Yeah. Of the booth. And yep. I would see authors just sit there and people would walk by and they'd even like, look, and you could tell there was potentially an approach vector. Yeah. Look, I use that word that could have been used mm-hmm. and then they don't do it. So it's interesting. I think it'll be interesting yep. to see what it's like when you are on that side of the table at a convention. Mm, for sure. Have for you sure. gone I love that, yeah. Uh, other than, again, all the virtual ones this year, absolutely not. But that's because, no, again, I'm coming from... as a, as a, just as a fan. No, but even well, a little bit. I mean, when I was in Paris, I went to the one in Versailles, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, even... Uh, Porte de Versailles, sorry, not Versailles. It was, it was, it's Porte, anyway, the other side of Paris. But... Um, but I um, very few people listening to this show will understand geography because we're American and we don't do that. that that's, that's totally <laughs> fine. That French place, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. Right yeah. next to Russia. I've seen it on Is a map. Venus or uh, Mars? I don't know. Yeah. Talking science fiction. For sure, for sure. Um, the, actually, the geography of science fiction is fascinating as well. <laughs> Uh, I have characters named after um, geographical uh, features. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll quote some. One is uh, uh, Verona Rupes, uh, which is the largest freefall. It's on Miranda, which is one of Neptune's moons. Um, it's the lar- It's like the longest. If you were like uh, you know doing free jumps, uh, free basing, it would be the biggest free base you could ever do in the solar system. Is uh, is Verona Rupes on, on Miranda? Um, other places, uh, Pantheon Fossae on um, on Mercury is another amazing, this huge sort of a uh, uh, crater, um, shoot, sort of canyon complex almost. It's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> so you can be a character from any sci-fi book, book, not TV mm. show, book. What character would you be? Um. I would be Arthur Dent, but just by sort of fatality, not by desire. <laughs> uh. Oh, no, this is desire. You get to choose. You get to put yourself <laughs> in the story. What sci-fi character would you be? Um, hmm. Mark, I'm going to ask you the same question, so you got to get I've, queued up. Yeah, but you've got more time to think about it. That's cheating as well. Um, I can cheat as my show. That's the cool thing. No, it's all cool. Um, <laughs> you get to wait for all of us. So that's yes. the beauty. Yeah. Uh, data. Data. I would, I, which is why I absolutely love the Snodgrass episode you guys did as well. This was brilliant. But I would, love to, I would love to be. I think Data would be a fascinating character to be. I agree. Done a lot of good books. <laughs> Although, I'm going to give you that because he was in books, but that's not where he started. So... He was definitely in books. I played the other mirror as well. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Mark, who would you be? Grand Admiral Thrawn. Ooh. From <laughs> yep. Chiss represent. Chiss represent. And <laughs> badass tactician, art 
collector. I mean, he's just he's he's the man. I'd I'd love to be that evil genius, yeah. you know, playing chess with the galaxy. Mm. You know, oh yeah, five yeah. steps ahead of everybody and everything. <laughs> and and the fact that he had a buddy adventure with freaking Darth Vader recently with that that whole. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. and he's coming back wrote. Yeah. he's really going to be amazing and i think he's he's really i mean obviously with the whole series coming up as well uh he, yeah. he's you know, going to be such an important character in canon now uh even more so than he was in legends it's going to be fantastic yeah i'm, I'm so excited i love that uh we we were talking to tim zahn and he came on and he was like uh you know they were, he was like disney approached <laughs> wow. me and they were like we, we don't have any villains can we bring back thrawn and he's like yeah, yeah they wrote him a big check he's good Jeez, that's so good but what's amazing as well is that uh thrawn is a below average chiss in at least in some version of the lore chiss are you know way above and he's yep. you know he's 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 not that amazing in chiss in any way shape or form right. great he's got that whole like grits <laughs> From the R.A. Salvatore oh, book, so oh, good, so good. Mm. And uh, he's so good compared to the rest of yeah. us. But compared to all his own people, he's down mm. there. It's and Rebels, good. he was he was amazing. Obviously, the whole arc, yeah, like the side, as you say, it was so good. <laughs> See, I think I would want to be Zaphod Beeblebrox. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a good. Uh, <laughs> but he's just this guy, choice. you know. I get to be president <laughs> and then steal the ship. <laughs> I think that's an amazing thing. His mm. lack of caring about almost anything. Yeah, anything, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, almost anything. Almost anything. Oh, got, it's all about his cool. Yeah. It's all about his cool and, and yeah. appearance. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we we have come to the end of um, our literary briefs episode, my friend Jay. So guess what Hi. you need to do now? Shameless self promotion. Ah, uh, yes, of course. You have to do that it again because it's a whole separate episode. So oh, you the, you I'll, I'll do it every two seconds if you want me to. Uh, so you, I'm J.O.H. Lawless. Uh, I will actually do what I should have done originally, but the format didn't allow it. Coming to you from unceded uh, Beothic and Mi'kmaq territory in Atlantic Canada. So the land recognition is very important. And I always make a point to doing it. So I have done even belatedly in this format. Um, but yeah, so uh, you can find me at lawlessauthor.com on my website. We have links to lots of free short stories. Actually, I didn't mention earlier on Curious Fictions, but also, um, but also to all my books. And um, hit, definitely hit me up at, at SpaceLawyerSF on Twitter. It's uh, the main, like, pretty much the only, honestly. I don't really do anything much with my Facebook, which is not the same name. But So definitely at SpaceLawyerSF on Twitter. Uh, hit me up with any questions, any commentary, anything whatsoever, honestly. Um, and so my two books have currently debut novelists this year, Always Greener, science fiction humor currently, as we speak at least, and I don't know, obviously by the time this is uh, broadcast, but <laughs> at least as we speak, uh, 99 cents uh, on sale currently, and uh, also available in all different formats. And uh, The Root Eye of Rebellion, the second book in the series, available in ebook and uh, hardcover special edition, which has a special incentive deal along with it, which is that if you buy it and take a picture of yourself with it, send it on to me on Twitter, uh, obviously uh, tag me in on that, um, we'll get in touch and I will send you a postcard uh, with a personalized limerick on the back, you ha which has to use a word that you tell me to use uh and that i'll make work in some way shape or form so i'm looking forward to all your worst possible words i used smorgasbord previously well i could use this time um 
uh, Sphinx. I'll try to find something with Sphinx. About that's too easy. There's loads of brown Sphinx. But anyway, I was gonna say, that's, <laughs> that's you use so easy. Anyway. Come on, you got to one up it from that. Whatever, one up it from Smorgasbord. Um, Orange. Yeah, that's that's so easy though. That's the thing. It's in that's obviously the thing everybody thinks about. And then, you know, you have to lead the conversation. You have to try to think about things people haven't said 50,000 times. Discombobulate. Discom- that, there you go. There you go. Boom. I like it, Mark. Perfect. There you go. So I'll have to use the com- discombobulate. Just because that's going to eat up so many of your syllables right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I took Asimov, uh, even though a lot of them are completely inappropriate. And he has loads of other problematic issues as well with his behavior, even per the standards of the time. Wrote amazing lyrics. <laughs> Uh, fantastic book because I, I spoke about this on the panel about that at Worldcon actually, and so it's why I, I digged out this or managed to find a copy of his uh, his dirty limericks. Amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. The, the craft of them beyond anything else. You know? so. That's uh, I, him and Spider Robinson. Man, I, I could read their, yeah. their limericks <laughs> so much. They're just so good. So and sci-fi. And I found his Definitely. dirty limericks, and they were absolutely amazing. Oh yeah. Like Signed. reading Ben Franklin's dirty stuff. That's when you realize <laughs> that, that man was on another level. It was brilliant. <laughs> but it isn't another level. It's the same level, and we're all the damn same. And that's what I'm trying to embrace in my books as well. There you go. Unless you're a big rubber. Okay. So with that, thank you so much for being on this podcast and saying um, how many totally fucking words. <laughs> it was a real pleasure. Real, very, very real pleasure. <laughs> very cool. Um, I'm Erica Lance. I've been your host. With me today has been Mark Muncy from Erie, Florida. Yay! Okay. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. Stay safe out there.